Welcome everybody in another five minutes with Sean, maybe 10 sit down edition. It's been a minute. I've been driving solo here on the show for quite a while. I just had a bunch of thoughts, had to get out and, uh, and utilize the platform we've created here to do so. But uh, today, special day for me, fun day for me. Um, those of you who don't know who's on the screen, uh, he's in my phone as my favorite Canadian. Uh, this, sorry, can all my friends who are Canadian, Jeff Hunter, you know, guys up there, look, it's not a personal thing. It's just, it's just different. There's just a different bond here. That's why he's in the phone that way. Noah Kaufman. Noah, how are you, man? Sean, oh, I'm wonderful. I feel great being here. Um, so happy to be back in automotive. So I'm feeling great. Thank you. Buddy, we are so happy to have you back. I remember when you called me about potential of you coming back and I was I was so excited. I was so excited. I think you're. I think you're a great human uh, and an even better businessman if, if that's possible. Um, and so we're, we're glad to have you back in automotive. The uh, the theme of the year, Noah. If you've watched the show, my friend, is it's guest choice. And so I ask you today, Noah, what are we talking about? This is going to be an easy one for you to talk about because as I've continued to watch these videos of yours. Uh, while I was out doing other things from automotive, um, you know, it's, it's, it's something that's not a, a new topic, but considering I'm back and this is going to be very meaningful for me. And I like to learn from you all the time. I, I want to know how to be a better vendor for my customers. And don't, don't think that sounds cheesy. I've been gone for four years. Uh, I, I want to understand kind of what the expectations are. What are vendors doing that annoy uh, dealerships and annoy you? What are vendors doing that are great? And, you know, I, I, I'm here to serve our customers. And, you know, this is having having access to you for a time like this. And this kind of question is going to be very powerful for me. Wow. Selfishly. This is that this is a selfish show. I, I like that, though. I like how you kind of cornered me here on this uh, and, and positioned it this way, because, you know, obviously I have thoughts. I have opinions. We deal with it quite a bit. Um, so let's start. Let's just kind of start at the beginning of a of any vendor dealer relationship. Right. As it were, it's that it's that introduction. It's that first opportunity in. And no, I think, you know, this better than most. Um, but there is a there is a gatekeeper to most dealerships, whether it's you know what we do for clients or what or internet marketing directors, etc. People who sit in those positions, they are there for a purpose. All right. And recently, Noah, people have gotten in the habit, and it's a bad one, of skipping over that and basically saying that person won't deal with me, says no, won't call me back. Okay, look, there's a lot of that in the world. People are busy. Most of these marketing departments people are shorthanded. All right. Unless you're dealing with the big, huge, you know, 25, 30 store guys, most of the guys who've got 10, 12, 15 stores are understaffed, Noah. They're understaffed and they're trying to, even if your product helps them add a human, they still don't have a ton of time to get back to you. So that's why emails might go unresponded to. That's why phone calls might go, you know, unanswered. These people are busy trying to run and do so many things, all right? So, but what's been working that I've seen, and the reason I know this is because I get more emails than I do phone calls, is I get forwarded emails by clients out of the blue about, hey, Sean, what do you think about this? What, and, and they're never they're never like a string of them, right? 
I only get a string if a dealer, if, if, if a vendor does something wrong and I have a clients who share that vendor, I'll get like five emails from that client, all clients in a row going, what the hell is this? What the hell is this? And it'll all come in about all the same vendor. You know, okay. So then I'll call the vendor. I'll say, what the hell is this? Why is the client doing it? Oh, Sean, it's whatever. Right. So, but emails of all the things in the world, email is capturing dealers attention. I don't know how it happened, but I, in the past, before you left, Noah, were you utilizing email or phone more? Like what was the approach for you previous to now you've been gone, you know, you didn't really miss anything. There was this one, God, what happened while you were gone? What was that? The COVID? Oh yes. COVID. Right. Yeah. Right. 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 The whole world getting sick for two years, three years. Yeah. Yeah, You you skipped over this whole weird sort of, you know, time in the world. You're back now. So before you left though, pre COVID, what was your approach to getting a hold of a gatekeeper? Like priority wise, we we hammered the phones. We hammered the phone. You get someone, you get 30 seconds to grab their attention and you go to book a meeting. That is the top of the funnel for automotive tech sales uh, when I left. It was phone. Phone. I would tell you now it's probably email. What has your been experience so far? Where have you had your best outreach or reaction return? Too early for me. I've been reaching out. I've been doing my prospecting. I am feeling it out. I have honed my uh, messaging for email uh, based on some really great thought leaders that are in tech right now. No more wall of text, no more, no more like way too much in your first emails, really trying to focus on the challenge and asking if this is a challenge for you, Mr. Mrs. Dealer, my target, is this your challenge? If you, if it is, I want to talk to you, like, let's, let's chat about it. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm going to be a little vulnerable right now. Um, I worry that in the industry, there isn't enough time to build a value proposition in a sales pitch. Maybe I'm going to get ahead of our conversation here because we're at top of the funnel. But back in my day at Goobagoo, you pitched a value, you showed a demo, and you went for a yes or no. Yeah. In a lot of other businesses, you spend a lot of time on the front end doing discovery to find out what the pain is, how much does the pain cost you? What would it mean to you to solve it? Dealers don't have time for this. And I actually think, hot take, this is why there's so much shelfware in automotive. And this is why right now, everyone's looking where can they cut their budgets? Because there wasn't enough discovery and value built in in the sales process. It was something shiny, sign the check, let's see what happens. Well, yeah. And I mean, you know, rising tide raises all boats, right? So we're at the highest tide I've ever experienced in my 23, four years now at this point. And I've never seen anything like today's market, whether it's because of the, you know, the manufacturers and the biggest price fixing scandal of all time, in my opinion, without being too much of a conspiracy theorist, um, or it's just the used car market. Right. Yeah. Is 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 uh in, in used cars being where they are, right? So I've never seen anything like this. And so I think everyone is sort of under this impression that like, yeah, everything everything looks like it's working right now. Because if you can, you know, if you have breath, warm breath on a mirror, you're probably gonna sell a car right now. Like if you have the unit, if you have it's getting harder. Let's as we sit here on the show, I can tell you that there is 
there is a there is a compression. It's happening. It's happening to pricing. It's happening to what goes through the auction. You know, six months ago, no car would ever go without being sold through the auction. Now you've got 50, 60% of cars going through auction unsold because people are still trying to get, you know, the highest of tides. So I think there's a, a lack of a lack of time to uh to think about the the downside of what we've all been experiencing for the last two years, as far as the height. Okay. I realized during COVID, yes, you shut down viewerships. I get all that, but dude, from like June of 20 on, like this thing has been, it's been on a roller coaster of, of, of just little height, never came down like a roller coaster like that. Just a roller coaster. It kept going up. What comes up must come down. It's just the way it works. So we're, we're seeing that you're absolutely correct, dude. There isn't a lot of time for that. However, no, I believe over the next six months, that that time and focus will get will get switched around. And there, there will be more time for you to dig in and help and have people understand the value sooner. Because now what we're talking about, I had more budget discussions and texts and emails from clients in the last two weeks than I've had in the last, since April of 20. I'm not surprised. Okay. I'm not surprised. So, but what does that mean to you, Anoa? What, what, when you hear me say that as a vendor, what, what does that mean to you? It means that vendors aren't communicating their value proposition post-sale effectively, and dealers are feeling that they're paying money for something that they're not getting the return that they want for it. Or it also says to me that dealers don't know what, if they're all making money, and as you're saying, and things are going well, they don't know where that's coming from very well. And, you, you, you know... Uh, this attribution challenge that has been a, a big discussion since my days four, four years ago and, and before that, you know, it, this is showing me all the more that that's still a big problem. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a problem that I think is, you know, uh, one that's not necessarily worth trying to wrangle. I think what you need to do, and this is what I tell everyone, what, what most importantly you know works and doesn't work is if you're trying something and then you're not trying something, right? If, you, if, you, if, you, if you're running a program, you're like, I've been running this for four years. Does it sell me cars? I can tell you one true way to know that. Turn it off. And Sorry, I, value proposition aside, if you really want to know if it drove the number. That's a test, yeah. Turn it off. But that, yeah, but that's 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 taking like a very precise approach to measurement of all of these programs. How many different new programs does a dealership run in a given time? And like what what approach can they possibly have to know which one of those is really moving the needle? Yeah, I mean, look, I can always speak for the people we work with, right? And the way that we design our business is to help them understand those changes. So I'm someone who stands on the sideline and I'm the one who has to be, my wife calls me the dream crusher because my clients get their fucking pumped, dude. They're like, yes, we're going to do this at all 15 stores. This is going to be awesome. I'm like, absolutely fucking not. We're not doing this. I would never do this. Take it at one store. Take it for 90 days. They're like, no, give them a year commitment. Give them 15 stores and let's go running downhill. And it's like, no. No, 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 no. I don't care what we just saw. What we just saw was a sales pitch. No offense, Noah. No offense to anyone else pitching. It's a sales pitch. You don't come into sales pitches and tell me how bad you are at your jobs. Okay. That's never happened in my life. So let's just assume you're here to tell me what's great. Cool. But I got to filter that against what's real in my life, what I'm doing right now today. Um, and so it's, it's, don't oversell. You never have. So you're asking me for feedback and I'm giving it to you. The oversale, the use of words like AI 
and 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 that sort of technology world, dealers are over it. Okay, AI marketing company. What are the latest buzzwords you're hearing right now? Uh, you you just you just said it. Data lake. Uh, Data lake. Everyone loves a data lake or, or or data ocean. I don't know. I don't know. It's how, all one how big. many people really understand what a data lake is and why it's important? Like three. Well, I'm not one of them. No, it's three, not. and two of them are the guys that came up with the idea. So I would I would venture to guess the third of theirs is their closest friend who they explained it to after hours. The point okay. of it is, it's a fucking database. Okay, like it's if a we database. Just it's a day. It is. Do you, do you care what programming language I'm writing this software in? No. <laughs> I know it's none of my business. Okay, that's what I tell people all the time. Like it, vendors, like, oh, why don't you go into AdWords? Why would I go into AdWords? I can tell you in Google Analytics, your ads suck. So whoever is in your AdWords needs to go look at what's wrong with it and fix it. It's not my problem to fix. I'm not a marketer. It's not my issue. I'm a data analyst. Data sucks. Data's good. Yes, high five or no, go fix that. That's what it is. I right? think though, there's this is like part and parcel to part of the challenge I was mentioning before about like really not getting the opportunity to take the time to do a proper like discovery and evaluation for something. You 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 try and use shiny things to get someone really excited. And and I'm gonna like like open up something that I felt in, in automotive and and like I'm putting it out there to the world. It's not difficult to make a salesperson really excited in a sales process. Like we all love the chase. We all love the, the moves that you can do. And, and you know, they love the hustle. Yeah. A GM likes nothing more. They, they hate that I call them when it's time to sign the contract. I mean, I call them a couple of times a day and then every day thereafter. But you know what? They tell me, I wish you worked for me because yeah. everyone wants the hustle. But when you're on the target, so you know what? Hey, Mr. Dealer, if you don't want me to call you, just sign the contract after you said you would. I'll, you know, I'll call you, I'll call you weekly or monthly, but then I won't call you daily. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that because Steph tells me I'm the easiest rollover sale in the world. And I am the second I'm in the right environment. But I can tell you if I'm in the wrong environment with a salesperson, I'm also the easiest one to walk out and make you feel bad about what just happened because I actually don't care enough to deal with it. And it's not my problem to fix. Right. Yeah. So I think that, you know, when you when you get that opportunity, right, to pitch a um, couple things, and I think you've come across this. First of all, our company was designed for help out busy dealers who can't get to shit. And so meetings are never not attended. Uh, dealers not attending meetings is a real thing going on. Um, it's it's happening everywhere. It happens to vendors. It happens to dealers who are trying to meet vendors, dude. We've had vendors not understand, you know, what... I don't know how this is possible with Google and all the things you guys have, we all have on our phones, but somehow people still don't get time zones now. So <laughs> you'll have, you know what I'm saying? You'll have like West Coast vendors calling East Coast dealers at like fucking seven in the morning being like, oh yeah, no, I thought you said seven my time. And it's like 11 their time. And it's just, nobody seems to get it. Um, and I think it's not about time zones. What my biggest point is, is attention to detail. Yeah. Is that's it. That's it. I get email invites all the time that aren't even to me. They're to whoever the last person they invited to a meeting was for. It's my email, but the body of it is just, it's a, it's a, it's a template, right? It just, it goes out. Yeah. That's a CRM issue. That's, that's attention, to attention to detail. Detail issue. Yeah. That's an automation issue. 
Yeah, it goes back to technology, more tech, more tech. No, dude, no, 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 no. No, dealers need to understand how better utilizing the tech that they have. So like, look, here we are, we're talking about you and what you're doing, your company, Auto Miner, great people, love Aaron, love Chris Martinez, all wonderful car guys. You guys are trying to help people with something that is something they pay thousands of dollars for in a CRM, DRM, DMS system, right? What, what happens is people are so worried about telling these guys what they've done wrong or what's broken about their approach. When they're out here spending 25, 30, $40,000 a month. Now just let that number sink in for a second. Besides big business, who else do you know in medium to small spends what automotive spends a month on marketing? Cannabis companies, because they get charge a massive premium just because they're cannabis. But other right. than that, I they can't even really do marketing. No, right. To be fair, I mean, at least down here, you can't you can't go buy Google keywords. You can't have right. an Instagram account. Like you can't you can't do that shit, right? So there's an even thing for them. But as far as monthly outgo, obviously the cash business of cannabis is always going to keep people busier. But from an advertising monthly perspective, nobody spends like automotive ever, and that's not even most people just that's an ad budget. Then you got a tech budget over here with CRM, DMS. Uh, you know, a schedule service, but whatever, all these different plugins and techs that go with it. But no one's looking at how to tie that all together and say to the dealer, hey man, you are clearly out here trying to make shit happen. We see that you're in the, you got great Facebook. You got, nobody's doing the research. We all, you use the word already a couple of times, needs, right? Discovery calls. These dealers have social media. They have websites. Give them feedback. Give them feedback. Say, hey, I can see you guys are actually doing some really great things. I saw this email, whatever, blah, blah, blah. I went to your Facebook page. Three days later, I got followed. Hey, great job on retarget. No one's doing it. No one's taking the time to dig in and find out what these people are doing right. Because they're clearly, they have to be doing something right. Okay? You, if, if you're getting seen today, it's not just the right product. It's the right message. Because consumers are changing kind of what they're looking for. They're putting their name in at 10 different dealerships, but they're only buying from one. Maybe it's the first one to get the car. Maybe it's the first one to tell them they're going to get the car for them and make them feel that way, right? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. But um, I would say to you, and I know you know this, but when you when you look at your approach or you look at the approach of others, do you find that there might be a touch more fear-mongering? You know, I don't like to use that word, but it's kind of applies because I think a lot of people use big fancy words, big buzzwords to try and scare people into what they know or don't know. Is that something you've seen in approaches and something that's either turned you on, turned you off? What's your thoughts? Yeah, uh, look, classic sales training is you do discovery till you find a pain and then you try and multiply that pain by asking questions around how much that pain is affecting you. And you try and go, uh, this is like Sandler training, right? Like, how is it affecting the business? How is it affecting your role in the business? And how is it affecting you personally? They call that level one, level two, level three pains. Like that's been what salespeople have been trained to do. But the reality is you need to do a combination of you're, you're finding the pain, building the gain, because that's like, the value proposition you're going to bring. I will help you do this. I will help you achieve that. But then also, uh, ultimately, people buy emotionally. And car dealers know this better than any other sales group. 
out there, the emotional side of buying. But but we're all trained to go in on the pain points when you're selling software. And I, I'm going to like this. This is I. I'm so happy to hear this from you because what's my messaging? Your CRM is dirty. You have duplicate, like you have wrong email addresses. All of this is costing you more money. That's what my messaging has been. I need to sit and think long and hard how to flip this, flip the script, uh, as a lot of places will say, a little bit and, and, and focus on more positive language if everyone's tired of, of the negatives. The, the challenge well, is, Sean, there you, is though. negative. Well, that's, that's the challenge. But right now, not a lot of people can see the negative. So if you bring it, people are, it's, it's white noise to them because they've never made more money, seen bigger paychecks, done all of these things financially located in their brains, right? It's never been bigger than that. So when that happens, um, I think for you, dude, I think it's simply this. Mr. Dealer, I know you're probably spending tons of money on paid search and, uh, and Facebook. I just believe you can get more out of what you already do. And it's, it's not about, it's not about selling you a service. It's about helping you get more from your data. You are the first party data. That's the approach I'd like to see you take. Cause I am tired of people trying to sell dealers. You can get access to our first party data. What I, the dealer is and has the first party data. So if you could just change it to, did you know you already have all the first party data you could ever imagine? And did you know that you could make it work more for you? And people go, no, I, I did not know that. How how do I have the first party data? Boom! I'll show you right here. You know, John, it's 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 amazing how uh, it's funny that you say this. We we were on a call. We were talking about the platform, and one of the things that we do is like once we ingest all the data and clean it and do all the stuff that we do to add emails and phone numbers and all that good stuff. You you can export that clean data if you want. It's yours, not ours. And the person on the other side was like, oh my God, you mean you mean we have access to our own data through your system? It's like, yeah, it's like- that's, it, But yeah. see, that's what I mean. Because they're normally, they're used to it being locked down or they're used to it being tied to something else. And I think your message is empowerment. You've empowered yeah. the dealer with their own existing data and they are to run with it and they are to make more of it. But how could they possibly know that it wasn't as clean. It's a CRM, bro. So uh, when I started in the car business, we used to have Rolodexes, okay? Rolodexes. Hot, cold, and then by name, right? And then, and then that's how you went through your follow-up. But the coolest thing about that was it was visual, right? Pages, pages. You touch them, you remove, you put in. CRMs, it's this computer. I cannot see in here. Right? No one knows what's data going on. Data is in the computer? In the computer. It's in the computer. It's in the computer. <laughs> People don't know what they don't know, right? Especially what they can't see. So it's, dude, uh, to me, I think in a time like this, if we're starting to go into potentially lower tides than we've been experiencing, those are the terms that I'll use here today on the show. If potentially we are coming off that high into a little bit of a lull, the best thing you could do for yourself is not go cancel every vendor or get rid of everything. That's not it. That's not it. Tighten up the approach with the current people you have. Make sure radiuses, make sure targets, make sure databases are as clean as they can be because this is the majority of the spend. All right. This is what we're going after. Uh, you and I talked about a pre-show, just about one of the numbers you show me on, uh, you know, addresses, right? 
this this client you showed me had like, I don't know, let's just call it 10,000 addresses that were wrong or were no longer attached to that ad. Whatever it is that says to me that's wrong. When I go do- How much money can you remove from a budget in a month by not sending a piece of mail to 10,000 people? Ten thousand dollars. I mean, you know, it's, it's it's it depends on the piece, but at minimum five thousand dollars, and and that's that's just that's ongoing monthly. And I don't think people get that. You know, I think people hear data cleanse and they go, yeah, okay, cool, one time, like big deal. No, 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 no. Because for the last five years, you've been using that database, so now every month you're not spending that 10,000 customer base number and it's ongoing and it's cleaning. And as customers move as shit, you would never know about the reason you got to the big database and nothing in the first place. Cause you didn't know. Now, you know, now so you what, what percentage of people call their dealership to tell them that they sold that car that they bought from the dealer three years ago, or that they moved addresses. When does, is, when is this some kind of a joke? It's, it's zero. <laughs> It's zero. zero. I was about to ask you if it's something different in Canada, but it's not. It is zero. The number is zero. And and but that's what that's what you're doing. That's what yeah. you're that's what I'm saying. So when vendors look, when you guys look at what you have as a product, try to look past what your tech can do for itself. What it, it's this, that. How about looking at the existing tech they already pay money for and what it can do to make it better? Whether that's a better paid search campaign, whether that's better Facebook marketing. How about instead of saying your marketing is this, I found every time someone pitches us Facebook, they'll bring in the Facebook feed and they'll go, look at all these problems. Huh? Look at this. Look at this. Your Facebook feed is junk. It's trash. The guy you're talking to is the guy who signed that vendor up. Yeah. Who wants to be told every decision they make is terrible? Yeah. No one is the answer. So yeah. to me, we've got to do a better job of telling and showing dealers what they're doing well and how what it is that we offer can help them get to the next level. The, the reality, Sean, the reality is that all of those problems mean nothing but opportunity. Like that's, that, that's it. If, if, if we, if we I can identify that there's a challenge or a KPI we're trying to hit or a goal we're trying to hit, or a budget we're trying to crunch down to if as long as we can be like open with each other vendor and dealership then we can hold each other accountable and rely on a trust uh that that we need to build with each other uh, i can tell you that i'm confident that everyone i have ever sold anything in my life trusts me because I will not sell something, so somebody something that they don't need. I'm going to tell you a quick story. Uh, back in my days working for a very large CRM company, we were selling a new sexy data product. That data product was like contacts and everything like that. And I loved the model. It was crowdsourced. It was fresh. It was new. It was a newly acquired company. And I had one of my larger clients buy it for their entire sales force um, and I was pumped by it. Like it made total sense to me. The reality is the product didn't hold up to the messaging out there. I called this client and I said, please cancel this. Uh, uh, this is not good for you. I'm sorry I sold it to you. I I'm sorry. And I really live by that reality. That's why I want to do good discovery on the front end of a, of a call to make sure that I'm not just assuming you have a problem 
that you actually have the problem and not assuming what your goals are, that you tell me what your goals are and we validate if I could if, if I could do X, Y, Z for you and it's going to cost you this much money, you would be super happy with me, right? And if we can agree on that, then it's time to ask for the business. And, and it, but that's trust. That is, that, that is the most important part of any business dealing. And I wish I had more time with people to build that with them. Yeah, it, it's going to have, you'll get it, you'll get it digitally, right? People will give time via email. Like I said, your email should be about, hey, uh, dealer example X was spending uh, $10,000 on mail. We removed 5,000 emails. Now they're spending $5,200 on mail. This is what we can do. When's the last time you cleanse your database? Most people are going to look and go, I have never cleansed my database. What, what does that mean? And, and that's how the discussion will get forwarded to me, right? That's how that email ends up in my inbox because I go, yep, this makes sense. I can see why the dealer forwarded it. And sometimes, like I say, they forward it because someone tried to scare them about what they saw on their website or in their data. Did you know you had 13 different problems on your website? The dealer's like, Sean, do we really have this? Is something wrong? And I'm like, no, this is... No, none of this is a problem. It's it's perceived problems to make you afraid to go to their platform because their platform doesn't offer these things. It's just be honest with people. You talk about the word trust. Uh, my wife and I are going through uh, just kind of cleaning out life. You know what I mean? We've, we've lived in our house for five years and we've never lived anywhere this long before. So we're just finding we got a bunch of shit. So we're going through it. I went through this old box of just old memories and stuff. Dude, I pulled out an evidence manual. All right. For those of you who don't know what an evidence manual is, when we were selling cars back in the day, you had a, I mean, I should just go pull it out, but I should do, but I don't uh, know what okay. it is. But I want to know what this thing is. All right. You want to know what it is? All right. All right. Hold on. All right. Hold on. Hold on. Learning something. All right. Audience. It's just me and you now. Time for some real talk. No, joking. I don't really have any real talk to say. This is a ton of fun. Sean's great. I guess I'm going to sit here, watch the screen. I hope he cuts this or edits it, but I don't think he does that. All right, no. I was just having some real, I was just having some real talk with the audience. You were? You were what were you guys talking about? <laughs> well, you can watch it later. I know. I never, I never rewatched these shows. Now you're going to make me do that. That's unbelievable. You'll do it to me. It's great. All right. So evidence manual. This is what it is. It's a story of my life and my family to help you understand why to buy a car from me, okay? Oh. Happy customers who have bought cars. Look at that, right? Uh, more happy customers writing the nicest things about me. By the way, these were from 2004. Uh, nobody makes buying a car faster or easier than Sean. People, it's always been about speed. It's never about buying shit online, okay? I promise you. Can we just make sure that wasn't your mom who wrote that? It wasn't my mom. It was this, look at this. People went out of their way to like draw things. You know, make all these cool things there. Some competitive analysis in case you were comparing our vehicles to others. Then showing a little history of who I am. A little craziness there. Aww. It was the first night of my new house that I bought when I was younger. So, yeah, dude, just really nice notes. And customers, this thing just sat on my desk just like this. So I'd be talking to you about a car deal. And, and nine times out of ten, someone would just go. And it would typically be a wife. So I'd be talking to her husband and she'd be like this. Thank you. <laughs> and there you go dude they would be like wow i feel like i already know you and it's like yeah excellent so what you can do is you can build a story about what you've done and you can utilize email um you guys uh video messaging is catching on a little yeah. bit with with dealers because it's you know it's grabby it's it's specific um and anytime that you can be 
non-bulk email, right? Non kind of what I call spam email. Not if it, even if it's not, even if you only send the same one to every person, even if it's templated, people can feel that. So I try to just, you know, tell people to dig in, dig in. And if you come across someone like me or someone at a dealership level who may not be the decision maker you think they are, take your time, man. Get to know them, understand them because they are the, they are the avenue in. So as, as frustrating as it might be, um, one of our newest clients, I'd never had to do this before. I had to go through like four meetings of like rungs of people to get this because the internet manager, marketing director loved it. They were just like, yeah, dude, this is so awesome. Totally cool. But we got to, we got to show this guy and this guy. And then if they're into it, we got to show this guy. And I, you know, I, we, my wife was like, man, you're kind of going through the hoops here. Is that, is that weird for you? Is it different? Because I, I deal with owners, call me on a referral. They own the store. There's not, there's not that, there's not that deal. But I really enjoyed it, Noah. What do you think of of climbing the ladder? What's what's Noah's feel on climbing the ladder? And what do you what are, what are your pitfalls and, and sort of you know advice to folks about it? Because I know I'm, I guarantee you're a, you're a guy who climbs it and you understand that climbing the ladder through those gatekeepers is important. So tell me a little feedback about that. I mean, traditionally, the answer to that is good discovery. And uh, you'll always hear me going back to that. I want to understand what is not just what I think is important to them, but I want to understand what's important to them uh, as as individuals in their role. And it typically is aligned to kind of what KPIs they're looking for in that quarter or in that half year or whatever. But um, I, I, I... I don't even wait, frankly. And like you were talking on the front end of this about like going around the gatekeeper. I try and go high and wide in an organization. I'm calling and reaching out to C- to CEOs and dealer principals, as well as general managers, as well as the internet managers and the marketing managers and the director of marketing, because frankly, those are the different buyers here. You have your people that are using your software day to day, people that are orchestrating the use of your software every day for the value proposition, and people that are signing the checks and, ben- and looking at the big picture for this. You require everyone to be on your side and that you will help each one of them achieve their goals or else you're on that list to be chopped at the end of the year because you're not fully aligned with the corporate goals. Yeah, but yeah, once you're once you're told about the hierarchy, I guess that's more my point. I understand casting the wide net to see who bites on it or who gets what. But as soon as someone yeah, reaches awesome. out, and then then you sort of say, okay, you're my POC on this deal. You respect that level of it. You you kind of end the net wide. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. So I am looking like wide net early on. Hope then some, you can get direction. Hey, this is the person that deals with this, right? Like I'm hearing more and more that groups are having centralized decisions at corporate office. I love that. I think that that's going to get dealerships economies of scale. They're going to have consistency. They're going to, accounting is going to be much easier. I mean, there's so many benefits to doing it that way, as opposed to kind of like every GM is, you know, king or queen of the castle. And, and, you know, they have many vendors that they're all working with like vet for the, for the big picture. If you tell me the process in your organization, I will follow that process for your organization. That's a trust thing. As much as it is 
you know, a respect thing. It's a, it, it's a trust thing. I want you to trust that if you give me instruction, I will follow it. Now, I'm also a little bit of a, what, what people call a challenger in a sales process. That means I might push back and say, well, like you're the one that's using it. This is the person that's using it. Shouldn't they hear about it? Like if I'm setting up a meeting and I want to include as many people as possible that are relevant, like who's, who's going to benefit from this type of software is a really good discovery question. And you want to make sure that they're involved in that process. If they're not, if, if I'm told not like to leave that person alone, I'm like, are you sure that person, that, that's the person signing the check. Don't they want to know what we do? Um, but yeah. And some of those relationships can go really well and some of them can end really quickly. Like, it, you know, it's, it's kind of one of those things I found it to be sort of up in the air. I don't think it goes one way or the other. I've got clients who don't call me, but once a year and they watch their videos every month and they're happy. They know what they need. They send me vendors when it's applicable and that's it. And, and that it's, it's really it. And at first I used to freak out. I was like, Oh my God, people aren't, they're not engaging. They're not doing anything. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. And then it was like, wait, they pay their bill. I, I, I deliver my work when I said I deliver my work. I've never missed that date. So maybe that's just how this works. And, you know, nine years later, that that's exactly how it works. Is I that mean, I don't push so hard, right? Like you, you, you say you get a response and, and that's, that's your answer. And ultimately, as I said earlier, I'm here to serve, I'm here to serve value and serve, you know, uh, um, a, a result from my promise, what I say that, that it does on the can is what it's going to do when you open it at home. You know, that that's my role in all of this. And if you tell me that I've got to, you know, do it this way, that's, that's what I'm going to follow. Um, well, I would, I would say from, from a vendor standpoint, vendors, you know, those of you watching the show right now, taking this in, you know, Noah's used words like trust, accountability, good discovery. These are things that you you should all be listening to. You should all be writing down as much as he may have asked me about my opinion of the show. I think it's important that you listen to someone who is a tried and true professional in this space. Um, I vet a lot of vendors. I see a lot, but from having to go out and sell my product, that isn't how this works. It's, it just never has. My, my, my entire business has been referral business. I don't have a sales program. I don't have a sales team. I don't even have a one page. If someone asked for it the other day, I'm like, look, I can give you access to our test account. I can show you what it all looks like. You can see all the videos. You can see it all for yourself. But other than that, I'm out. I got nothing else to show you. And and so, you know, I, I approach it differently, but I don't have tech. I have, it's, it's more of a people eyeball, you know, analysis thing. Those who have tech, try to lead with your people, right? No, you and I have talked about this. Noah employs his team of people that all work with, uh, with the auto miner team. They're... They're what makes the team the team, right? So when we talk about it, that's what we need to be looking at. Um, vendors, don't forget, you don't just sell a product, you sell and support a product. I know a lot of you just sell a product then you kind of go off into the next sale and then it goes over to support. If that's your approach, you can expect to see a high level of cancellation, renewal, cancellation, renewal, that you have to go out and renew new business because everything's canceling because you've given up after the sale. It's the same thing I told people when we sold cars. You sell the car, job is your job is half over. The next time the job's over is when you sell them that car out of that car. That's that's how the job ends. And so there's a lot more work um, between between sales, between that job. And so last advice I'll give, and then I'm going to ask you to close it up with your advice. My last advice is that if you get the opportunity to work with an entire group. Okay. And someone does what I was telling you at the beginning, you know, let's just give you all the shit. Let's go all the stores. Let's do it. 
I would caution you against it for many, 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 many reasons. The number one reason is because you will not be able to work out the kinks across 15 stores of personalities, groups, and people. Your best chance is to take one or two and bust your ass, show value. And then, yeah, you've got an assumptive deal that in the next month, you'll add two more. Then you'll add four more. Or the dealer will pressure you and they'll say, I want all 10 added now. Yeah, but hold on. We want to make sure this is done correctly because I have a client who loves to do things across this whole group, which I appreciate. That's how I got brought in. But when I got brought in, I was the first one to ever tell him no. And I could tell I was the first one to tell him no because he was like, what'd you say? He's like, I want to sign up all the stores. I'm like, cool. I respect that. In six months, we'll get to that discussion because I'm going to take on two or three a month as we scale in to make sure that you guys get it. We get it. And we understand how the group works how billing works, what stores are late, what stores are early, who doesn't pay their bill, who's a headache. You learn all this stuff. To learn it from 15 across the board, to me, is a way to fail. So he brought on a new vendor to do marketing the same way. Against my recommendation to do so, he did it, which is cool. Look, I'm, I'm here to recommend. No, I'm not here to run shit. That's not my job. That's your job. You asked me for the opinion. I gave it. You did what you wanted. No hard feelings here. I Pay your bill and you can tell me no every day. I don't really care. It does not matter to me. Um, but he did it. And now here we are 90 days, almost 100 days later. And we're starting the whole process over again. Because no one likes it. Every store hates him. Everything, everything was oversold. It was AI technology for marketing that was turned out to be total bullshit. And so they're all learning this now when we could have learned this without upsetting the apple cart and screwing stores up and getting everyone who liked the previous vendor, which half of them did, half of them did not. You said it earlier that it's you know it's good for groups economy of scale. I got to disagree with you because I don't think it is. I think a when when vendors get whole groups, and I'm speaking in generalities here, so I hope you know that. But when vendors get whole groups, they they turn in from pigs to hogs, and you know pigs get fat, hogs get slaughtered. The vendor gets lazy when they come across multiple 10, 12, 15 store groups, dude. I am telling you what it does. You don't think it would? It's what happens every single because they've already got the business. Why do they have to continue to work hard to earn anything when they already have it? But if you only gave them two and then you gave them two more, the effort would be continual. And I know a guy like you, a guy like me, we're going to always bust ass. That's who we are. That's our bread. That is not majority of people. We can say it is. I can tell you the reality of it. It is not. So when that happens, take two or three at a time, dominate, make it a situation where people ask, what the hell happened over at XYZ store in our group? Oh, well, they signed up with this product. Why am I not on that product? Well, remember, we're, we're offering it to all stores, but we're trying to work out the kinks here before we bother you guys because you're higher volume stores. Start with the lower volume stores in your group, people. Help where they need the help first. Don't give the biggest store in your group the guy. That's more kinks, more shit they got to work out. Start small, grow big. When I'm done, I can get to the big guy. So Noah, that's my advice. Is I'm going to gonna not- take it with, I'm going to hear what I heard you say, Sean is responsible growth. Responsible growth is, you know, whether we're talking about a single group with, you know, a 40 store group, or or we're talking about many four store groups or many single point stores, a software company, a tech company, I have seen it happen over and over that people bite off more than they can chew. They overpromise and under deliver. And that, that is the leadership has to understand the growth and the scalability of their product and get ahead of it. So, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm hearing what you're saying. And I, as I translate it into my own world of technology scaling, 
it's about responsible growth. And I, uh, my goal in every role I've ever had is to be the voice of responsible growth and never promise something that I can't deliver. Cause you know what? It's on me. Hey, everyone I sold Gooba Goo to, like I, I'm calling you again and I hope that you you enjoyed your time with Goobagoo or are still with them and yeah. and and saw that I was honest because I because the reason I came back to automotive is to solve the problem that Aaron's uh, uh, and the team are solving with the autominer. It is real and it is helpful. So I am here um, to because to you believe in it. And I, th I think that's an important part of it. I, th I think the belief in that, you know, that's why I talk about my company the way I do, because I believe in it. I believe in anything that it does adds value. And now we're launching into the social sphere, right? Um, and, you know, we're, we're making an announcement about that. This, see, this is Monday show. So next Monday show, uh, we'll have some more on that whole thing. But for now, it's a part of responsible growth. As you said, you know, nine years later, I'm working on developing something that my dealer has been asking for for years that I just kept putting off because it wasn't in my passion projects. It's not something that I want to take on. I don't care enough about the space of social to tell you how to do it better, look at the data to show you where you can do it better. I just don't care. But I have someone now who does care. And as I told them earlier today, when I was talking to them, it's hard to find people who give a shit about what you do as much as when people do, right? When you find that, you know that. Um, and there's the same thing for dealer vendor clients. When we, we know each other, care about each other, when we're both working towards that common goal, um, and I tell my clients all the time, if you want to be on my product, just call me and cancel it. Please don't waste my time. I can only work with a number of people because I'm one human being, right? I can only do that for across the board. Please don't waste my time if you're no longer interested. I beg you, please cancel. Like, well, no, Sean, I don't mind having it on. It's no big deal. No, no, no. Please cancel it. Please. That's why I don't take credit card payments. That and I'm cheap. I don't want to pay off two and a half percent to anybody. But it's because I don't want it to get... I don't want to, I don't want it to be where it's just totally forgotten. Use it, man. Pay for it and use it. So Noah, as we close this out, um, our, our, our recap of you getting back into automotive, what advice do you have for vendors and, and what are you seeing already that you're going to be working on changing up to, uh, to make this better for both dealer and vendor? Well, I'm not going to be cheesy and say, respond to my emails when I send them to you as my advice. I'm not going to go that route. Um, I'm going to say hold your vendors accountable and and build uh, uh, build an open dialogue. Make sure they know what you expect from them, and, and hold them to it. And uh, we will appreciate that because you know we we know when we're not gonna uh, when we're not doing right by you if if your expectations don't meet or if we're not meeting your expectations. So that's that's would be my ask for vendors everywhere. Be open about your expectations. Uh, because if we know about it, we can work to get there. I think having clear expectations for any vendor discussions is crucial. Uh, talking with a client last night, you know, he's like, look, we want to do this. We want to take these things on. I'm like, cool. How are we going to measure growth? How are we going to know if this works? What are you going to say to yourself to say these three data points change? So I know that this approach worked. Well, I don't have those yet. Well, until you have those, let's not talk about where we're going to spend, how we're going to spend, what we're going to spend. What, let, let's just take it back a step and understand that if we want to do something different, why are we trying to do something different? How are we going to measure if what we've done is any different? And then let's try and move into it. So Noah, man, I have missed you. I think I've told you that numerous times that we have talked. Um, I have missed you. I still owe you $50 uh, from last time I saw you. Can you, you tell everyone month. for what? I still, 50, <laughs> I still owe you $50. 
Only fifty dollars, <laughs> uh, and so uh, we got to get that, and and so we'll take care of it. Hopefully, we'll be able to catch up. I know you're not going to Vegas. I'm not going to Vegas. I've been asked by a client, which is a hard pass down, but I may have to pass on it anyways, to go to Tampa for Digital Dealer Spring. So I don't know if you'll make your way or not by then. I don't, and I don't even know that I will be there. But I do know that there's conversations brewing about trying to get me out of uh, show retirement to uh, to come out there and do that. But I'm just not sure. Can you good. handle Can you handle the consumption that's required with uh, going to a show? I don't think. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so. I don't think I, I want to have to. You know, the, I think that was my superpower for a long time was being able to hold my own and be there and show up the next day. I haven't been to a show in so long. I'm worried about what's going to happen when I, I know dude, I used to have to, I used to tell my business partner, I used to go into show training. So like all of a sudden my wife would see me, there'd just be a handle of Tito's that would just be just drained weekly. She'd be like, damn boy, pick it up on the Tito's. I'm like, I got to get ready, man. I got to I mean, we're going to hit the, you know, I mean, in Vegas for seven days. I'm like, ah, oh, how am I going to survive? You know? But uh, for me, that stuff is all it, the, you, you are the reason, man. Right. The vendors, the people, I don't think I've ever made a deal at a show before. Because that's not what it is. It's it's about going out there and connecting with people. And for me, having a speaking engagement is the most important because I want everyone to hear the message. That's the only reason you go out there is for me to speak and then to meet people and, and, and connect. But to go out there and hard press on deals, vendors, that's another one, man. Just stop trying to sleep with everyone on the first date. Just please, just please stop. Please take your time, man. Take your time. So Noah, any parting words after I left you with that? Well, Aaron would be mad at me if I didn't mention the name of the company again. We're the auto miner. We need a quick plug here. We're helping people clean up their CRM and make that first party data more useful. That's as much as I'm going to do. Sean, I love you. I had such a fun time on this. I'm glad you invited me here. And if anyone wants to connect with me, I am easily accessible. Noah Kaufman with the auto miner. Right. We can find Noah Common, the auto monitor. You can also find him on LinkedIn. He's there. He's back being a little bit more active these days. Um, just so everyone knows, that is not something I ever allow someone to do ever on my show. But he's good at what he does. And he brought it in at a point where I, I really, sneak I really I'm sorry. I really couldn't clip him out about it. So I don't ever let people do that. But it's cool. I respect it. He respects the journey. We're all here for dealers. That's why we have Noah on the show. That's why I brought his company up in the first place. That's why we have him have the plug, have some fun. So I hope everyone enjoyed and uh, tune in next week. We've got uh, we've got an announcement day. Not 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 our announcement. Someone else's announcement. A huge huge personality on LinkedIn's got something to say about their future. I think you're all going to want to hear about it. Thank you guys so much. Have yourselves a wonderful week.